This is Irish Illustrated Insider. Two-man booth today, Tim Priest and Tim O'Malley. It's Monday, October 12th, two days after Notre Dame's 42-26 victory over Florida State. It certainly had its hiccups along the way. But, Tim, we thought it was – we thought the hiccups were going to be offensively with Ian Book, and he played very well and very decisively. And it turns out the issues were on the defensive side of the ball, and I think in retrospect now and, and still not knowing whether Tagovailoa, Mosa, or Kaiser will be completely com- cleared for this weekend, but probably. And then knowing about COVID running through a couple positions, it was the defensive side of the ball where they had difficulty really – not to make excuses for him because, um, uh, you know, Florida State had a good offensive game plan. Uh, but Notre Dame struggled with it. The optics were, were worse than the actual statistics defensively. Yeah, there are a couple moments where, you know, the third and four, third and four is a good call. They beat Sean Crawford on third and four for a touchdown. I think what the, op, the bad optics for me were, was the first drive of the second half. That's when I expected yes. it to kind of get – I expected that to right. shut down. Kind of gave you know you don't make an excuse, but you give him a little bit of a pass when you realize how many of the defenders had COVID or were not in practice for several days and came back and were probably pushed into action because somebody had to be. You know you're moving Sean Crawford back to corner. Other than that, I'm not that surprised. Forrest had a couple good drives that Tamori and Terry was involved in because he's just a better player than other players are out there. Right, and he he had done very little up to this point, so he had a breakout game, and I, he had been battling a knee, so he felt yep. better. Uh, you know, but it's really weird because before that last drive by Florida State with Blackman at quarterback where nobody was paying attention anymore, right, right. they started that series with just 360 yards. I mean, it just doesn't seem like that's it did not possible. Seem like that. They only ended up with 18 first downs. They were two for 14 on third down. Now they were three for three on fourth right. down, but that's still five for 17 combined on third and fourth down. And that's why I say the optics of this um, – were bad, but statistically it was, it was pretty good, but I, you know, I don't, I don't want to give them, I don't, you can't say it's completely a wash because I just wrote the defensive tail of the tape. And I think that they do have, they've got some personnel issues really on all three levels to some extent. Well, yeah, they do at safety. They do. Um, I mean, when Crawford's not at safety, they do at right. safety right. and you need three safeties anyway. So they do at safety no matter what. Uh, I really think Jack Kaiser is the answer. <laughs> Honestly, think Jack Kaiser or Bo, or Bo Bauer with with Drew White is the answer this year. I don't see Leah Fow being the answer this year. I, Simon is not. Um, and then they need MTA back. I mean, Adamiola has always looked good in small sample sizes. Jason, Boy, he did not. He did not look good in a larger sample size. And I read your tale of the tape, and I totally agree with you. And I thought this live. Justin Adamiola is good in small sample sizes, and he plays he's that all, backup role well. He's always good in small yeah, sample sizes, yeah. but for some reason they don't. You know, I don't know why they don't entrust him with playing more. There are guys ahead of him. Sure. But did you also see where and, – and this is not a surprise. Notre Dame's defensive line misses Colin Kareem. Yes. He was a yes. do-everything guy for them. You knew that he would if – he, if he had to drag himself off the field with an injury, he'd come trotting back onto the field again to play. But I just think – you know, I, I don't like the way Houston Griffith is playing safety at all. They had some issues at cornerback. Lewis didn't play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that had to be tied to to protocol. Um, you know, Crawford yes. was now playing corner. Um, and I, you know, defense defensive end play. Fosky must have been compromised last week too because he didn't get that many snaps, no. did he? he? 
he did not. He didn't look himself either. Um, yet we just don't know how many guys were compromised last week. That's why they're, it's not a mulligan. It's not a free pass, but I want to watch them against Louisville. Louisville's a much better offense. And if when they're, when they're right, when Louisville's right, and if Notre Dame plays well against Louisville, then you can look back at this and say that was an anomaly That's that had something you know, to do with missing time with COVID. Yeah, I, you know, Louisville's offense is certainly not functioning on all cylinders. Not like we thought point. it was going to be. We thought there yeah. would be a real problem. Yeah, but yeah, they have one, players. No, there's no <laughs> – there's no that Atwell and Hawkins are, are two big-time athletes, and Hawkins is – I don't – I'll check to see what he's – he, I mean, he doesn't look very big, and that, that kid plays physical football, but – Plenty of time to talk about Louisville. I just want to wrap this up. And I just wanted to make this point because I read a lot of people saying, uh, hey, I get about missing practices, but, and then they trash Notre Dame and say it was unacceptable the way they played defensively. I just want to, and, and I did I did something similar that entailed the tape. So I guess I'm as guilty as well. But I just want to make a point here. And that is this. The Notre Dame practiced on September 21st. They did not practice on the 22nd, the 23rd, the 24th, the 25th, the 26th, the 27th, the 28th, the 29th, and the 30th. Then they returned to practice. At that point, they had about 10 days to get ready. But it just, they, but not everybody. But not everybody. Some of the guys, not, right. And yeah. some of the guys that played defensively did not practice all week. So, okay, look. No excuses after this week unless, although MTA and Kaiser, you know, may not be cleared until later in the week so they could find themselves in a similar situation. But, um, man, they were just – they're not excuses, man. These are legitimate reasons why you would yeah. struggle as, a, as an, an entire defense. You make the point, though. It's And I just said it. But Louisville, how they perform against Louisville, how you see Jason Adamiola and Isaiah Foskey and guys bounce back from not having their best games. And I mean, Adamiola, we don't know him of being out at all with isolation or quarantine or with isolation or quarantine, but he was ill. He didn't play in the South Florida game. There, right. There's, he, I thought he would play better and we'll see if he plays better. Cause you know, he should start even if MTA is back. Cause you see what happens when you put guys back. If MTA is back on Thursday or Friday, Jason Adamiola should start and MTA should be available to help the team. Yeah. You can't put him out there for 45 snaps. No, you can't. Just a little uh, cleanup work that we addressed in our instant analysis after speaking with Brian Kelly this afternoon. Uh, McKinley and Austin will will compete for playing time at the W. They'll also play at the same time. Uh, ben Skoranek, it sounds like, remains out, or, or he certainly was against Florida State because that hamstring just keeps barking on him and he can't quite get back to where he wants to be we'll we'll know about uh mta and kaiser as the week progresses or probably on thursday when we ask again um kevin austin is listed as the number one punt returner which i think might surprise people but lawrence keys had his opportunity and didn't capitalize and salerno can certainly catch the football but i think they want a little bit of zip back there and then paul mawala is out uh for the year he did suffer an achilles injury and Isaiah Pryor moves up to the number rover, number two rover behind JOK. And I would think if they if they were to slide another guy on there uh, over there to rover, it might be Maris Leofau. That's that would be my choice as well. That's um, selfishly because of recruiting tape. That's where I had Maris Leofau playing, and I want to be right. No, but in reality, um, we, we saw him there in their one spring practice. Kaiser was recruited for the position, but obviously Kaiser has taken a buck. 
But if Bo Bauer goes to Buck or Drew White goes to Buck, then anybody's available. We should probably ask Brian Kelly Thursday in our 15, 20 minutes with him how it's shaking out. Because he did offer the guys are going to move around. We can get into this in segment two. But he offered that linebackers are not going to be pigeonholed into one position, which is something you suggested back in uh, – well, how long? When did summer start? April, March sixth, or something like that. That's when. That's I have no, there. There was no summer. There was no spring. I have no idea. Ian Book really, really played well Saturday. Really decisive. Decisive. Trusted his eyes. Went for it when he threw the ball. Went for it when he when he ran the ball. The only thing I would criticize is he's still lacking some finesse on those little dump passes over the middle, and he missed another screen pass that would have been. Yeah, he did. 70 yards again. It's unbelievable. Tommy Reese obviously is calling that play at the right time because every time he does, whether they execute it or not, the the pass catch part of it, the blocking setup has been perfect. Played well, and I don't think he should play worse than that all year because he's a fifth-year senior, former MVP, two-time captain, and a good football player. So that is where Ian Book should play. We said it prior to the game. There's no reason Ian Book should not be good this year. That should be his baseline now. That's Ian Buck. Go out there and play and grow from that. Be better against Louisville than you were against Florida State. Trust your eyes. Be decisive. Um, He's had enough experience that he'll be just fine. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, burning up the boards. We start with a question from B-Man 2017. What from the game should be viewed as a long-term trend and what should be viewed as an anomaly due to the given circumstances? Well, the long-term trend is an extremely obvious one that the offensive line is going to maul everyone not named Clemson. The running backs are going to make that offensive line famous because Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree are fun to watch. Um, in terms of the rest of the offense, I assume Ian Book will continue to progress. Uh, I would hate to see another Duke effort out of Ian Book at this point in his career. The, I think the real question for me is, can McKinley keep that up? Because Brian Kelly seems to think so. And uh, I, I was a unique post-gamer. Obviously, we're not in there. But Brian Kelly clearly had Javon McKinley in his sight when he said, right. I think he's a beast and can't be covered. Don't you agree? And looked right over at Javon McKinley. Or looked over at somebody. It had to be Javon McKinley. So, that would be if McKinley does that again. That is that's good news. He stopped, He did everything but say, "I'm trying to motivate you to keep yeah. doing this." <laughs> I really think, and I I, I was going to get into this with another question, but I really think that Javon McKinley benefited from Ian Book just getting him the ball, just see it and let it rip. And a lot of times, yeah. whether it was Samuel or another defensive back, they just weren't ready for the football to be there that quickly. That puts the receiver in a, in a um, you know, in a in a driver's seat from the standpoint of I get to react right away. The ball's coming. The DB's not doesn't know necessarily it's coming yet. So I think he benefited from that. I agree with you that I think book from here. You know how critical we're going to be if he doesn't go stay on this path, but he absolutely should. I think Notre Dame has the answers at linebacker. They just have to sift through it. And I tend yeah. to agree with you that I mean I absolutely agree that Kaiser would have played would have played well Saturday, just like he did against South Florida. You don't start your first game. I don't care who your opponent is and play like Kaiser did against South Florida. You don't do that accidentally. He understands what's going on. I think he would have made a huge difference. Um, I think there are some 
some concerns along the defensive line uh, as far as playmakers. Bosky's a playmaker. Ogundeji's a playmaker. It's After not the same that, level, though, it used to be. No, no, yeah. it's not It's not the same level. And then I still think that there's some issues. I mean, I think I think there are, are concerns everywhere defensively. But if you can just get everybody, if you can get all your frontline players back, uh, I think that's going to solve a lot of the problems. And I don't think Kaiser is, I said in the first segment, I think he's the answer. He's not this week because he's going to miss too much time. And you're not, I would have went on and throw Jack Kaiser in there. I think the answer this week, Tim, is – I love the Bauer White idea, and I think White's the guy that shifts, and simply in that he is a more experienced, seasoned player. I don't know why you would—I don't know why you would shift Bauer to Buck when you can shift White to Buck. There's a little more pass coverage responsibility, I suppose. Is yeah, it just I, I, I mean, I—I th- I think he's more—I think he's more explosive, and yeah. and maybe covers a little more ground side to side. So yeah, I, that's does. where you would that would that. We'll let them decide that on the yeah, practice. Yeah, they can figure that out on their own, I think. They don't <laughs> you think they can? <laughs> Low-key, Scott, do you have a reasonable guess as to how many players have gotten COVID thus far this season? Have enough had it that another super spreader event is unlikely to happen again? We are in the – I believe that we're in the 43 to 45 range. Yeah, that's um, – do I have a list of all 43 or 45 in front of me? No, uh, but I think that that's – I think that that's a fairly accurate number. Would you agree with that? Yes, and that does not include many walk-ons because we are not ever getting information about if a walk-on has COVID. So the yeah, reason but- that's relevant is because how it spreads. I mean, you know, like that it's important. Like if, if 10 walk-ons have had it, this is a horrible thing to say, but if 20 walk-ons have had it, it's better than if one has had it because walk-ons could continue to get it and spread it to their position yeah. I'm not sure that we know the breakdown of scholarship and non-scholarship, though. No, I was just we thinking going... of names. I mean, I can come up with about 32 names, though, without yeah, hearing numbers. So but... I, know, I don't have a walk-on's name. So maybe there's 13 walk-ons. I don't you know. But that. when they announced that there were 25 in isolation, we don't know how many of those were actually scholarship players. No, no. I, I, we, we should be clear. We can't name 43 to 45, but we can add the numbers, figure out what we were, we're told that we're not told to the public and go from there. So it is a good reasonable guess without knowing the walk-on number. And I guess 45, I mean, it's all relative. It's not 45 out of 85 scholarships probably, but it's 45 out of 115, somewhere in that, somewhere in that range. Mac 341. What changed with Ian book against Florida state? He looked like a new confident quarterback. Well, I forget the handle on Irish Illustrated, but somebody got their Christmas present because he said all he wanted for Christmas was Ian Book to get rid of the ball quickly like he used to and let it rip. Exactly what he did. It's clearly his recipe for success as well. Yeah, I mean, I go back to the whole phrase that the coaches like to use is trust your eyes. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and so in answer to the question, what changed, I really think, I mean, I would like to think that over the course of those three weeks that the, that the lines of communication between Ian Book and Tommy Reese were wide open. And, yeah. I mean, I would think that Tommy Reese is saying, man, just let it rip. Just let it go. Believe in yourself and believe what you see. And we'll live with the consequences of that. And that's why, that's why I think uh, McKinley excelled. I really think that had a lot to do with it because I'm not sure that I completely believe Everything that Brian Kelly said about McKinley after a game about what a beast he is and how unstoppable he is. I don't know that we've ever had any information filtered to us that they can't stop McKinley in practice. Right. 
No, um, I, yeah, I think he just means that, look, he has a guy that's confident. He has a guy that, in terms of strength, is pretty beastly out there, the way he's blocking right now. And obviously, he has the talent. I mean, he was one of the most productive prep players you're going to find. So, he's it is a remarkable late career. Even if he just continues to block great all year long and catches 14 more passes, it is a remarkable late career save by Javon McKinley. Well, to do the things he did against Asante Samuel. I right. mean, that's just – but I, but again, I think that has a lot to do with book. I see gold. What are your thoughts on linebacker play versus Florida State? And where do you rank JOK among the linebackers in the Kelly era? Uh, I mean, based upon what we saw against Florida State, I, I thought I thought Bo Bauer played really, really well. Uh, and and everything Brian Kelly said about him, you know, controlling his emotions and 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 seeing what he needs to see in order to make plays, he did that. Um you know, I, and you and I both feel that I had it been, you know, had it been Bauer and, and Kaiser on the field most of the night. I just, I don't, I, I think they would have played well linebacker. I, I, I thought that was one of Drew White's lesser performances. Agree. I agree. Um, you know, a lot of times a Mike linebacker is just trying to blow, blow things up, you know, and I get yeah. that, but I thought that but when you, when you look at what should have been run fits, and or decisions made as to where he needed to position himself. I, I didn't, I could, you know, I could be wrong on this because I don't know exa- the responsibility for every play, sure. but I think that that was accurate. I don't see Shane Simon as a starter. Um, I, I thought he made some plays early, but I thought he missed a lot of run fits. We haven't seen enough of Maris Leofowl to know, I think, but I like the athlete that's there. I just think it's lot, so logical to say that Maris Leofow's best football is going to be played in a future seasons, not this year. I don't think no he's doubt. the answer this year at Buck for a Notre Dame 10 and one or 11 or no football team. That does, that doesn't make sense yeah. to me. It's yeah. I, I, I don't give him a pass, um, but Kaiser and Bauer are better linebackers right now than Leofow and Simon. Uh, I still, I'm surprised Jack Lamb didn't get any time because he had a heck of a day and against a bad team. And that was about yeah. a month ago, but it's, it's strange because um, it's not like Simon's really holding down that spot to me. Um, but they see him in practice and we don't, right? I mean, we've he's answered the bell and he's been put in games. Yeah, and I would just like to remind everybody that you don't just trash Drew White because you didn't like the way he played the other day and you liked Bo Bauer. Right, right. Yeah, he you didn't know, have a good and game. I mean, that happens. Uh, you know, Nordings 14 and 2 with Drew White as a starter. Do we just dismiss that? You know, you don't, you don't, I mean, you, you don't just do that. We say that uh, it's like saying uh, um, Ian Book is 23 and three as a starter. Well, Liam Eikenberg's 26 and three as a starter. Yes, he is. So, um, and I know they're not the same thing. It's apples and oranges. I get that. But everybody slow down on trashing Drew White. Okay. He's a good football player. We didn't think that he played real well the other night. Bo Bauer did play really well. It's a good situation. It's not a bad situation. And Buster, on a related note right here, Tim. Oh, on the question? Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Buster, thank you. Buster Bibbon, which Irish defender will first earn a starting position? Jack Kaiser, Clarence Lewis, or Bo Bauer? Well, I could see Clarence Lewis earning the position because Nick McLeod's shoulder is a bit bulky. Um, it's not Kaiser this week because of COVID or his recovery. I, my guess is that Bo Bauer ends up playing next to Drew White. The door's been opened by Brian Kelly, and he is the best option, too. There's logic, and there's the open door from the head coach. 
Yeah, it's a good question because they're. It is a good question. Kaiser just kind of eliminated himself for a whole week, so it's hard to say Kaiser. He's yeah, gonna, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know the answer because you explained all. I mean, any one of them could, but the circumstances dictate any one of them could. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe Bauer because that could happen this week. Right. But even I that, think, I still kind of doubt. I think Clarence Lewis will start a game this year, though. Yeah, because you saw the missed tackle uh, by McLeod. I mean, something's something's, something's just not right, and I and I hope it. I mean, I hope it's because he re-injured it during the three weeks as opposed right, to right. took three weeks off and still couldn't go because he's gun shy and we know he's better than that. Irish, I was tailgating. When did Javon McKinley become a dude? He owned Asante Samuel on that sixth touchdown drive. What did you make of his play and should we expect him to play a prominent role in the passing game moving forward? Well, Brian Kelly thinks that, you know, was encouraging him to to realize that he is a stud. I still have my questions as to whether this is something where he's just going to pick up and continue. I think a lot depends upon Ian Book. Um, you know, maybe I know Asante Samuel eventually left the game, and I wonder if he was banged up on that last touchdown drive because he he didn't look very good. I don't know. I mean, it's encouraging. It's nice to have with Austin back and McKinley playing well. It's nice to have two big receivers yeah. again. You've got your speed guys and Lindsey and Davis and keys. Um, I, I think, and you know, I mean, obviously you've got some speed at running back and you can do some things with Jafar Armstrong that seems to be rounding into shape, but are you confident that McKinley's just arrived? Not, not to that, but I don't, I don't think he'd play like that again, where he's just tearing up a, a really good corner for hundred yards. Um, but I, I kind of get what Brian Kelly's thinking though. You know, Kevin Austin is still going to be a couple weeks away from, playing like Javon McKinley did. I don't, I don't expect Kevin Austin to be able to beat out Javon McKinley, even not including the blocking situation. McKinley is going to be the guy in the game because he's a great blocker. He's developing into a good receiver late. The big lineup is Notre Dame. I, you mentioned Keys and Davis, but, man, I, when you have Austin and McKinley and Lindsey and Armstrong and Tyree and the tight ends and Kyron Williams, I don't find a lot of time for the slot receivers. That's why I asked Brian Kelly in August. And it's even bigger deal, I think. I just don't see a lot of time for those guys. I want to throw in Tim. I think Brian Kelly is mentioning that because he knows Ben Skoranek is not going to be able to help him anytime soon with his hamstring. So he really is kind of going yeah, all into be. the Austin McKinley Lindsay thing. Well, you make a good point. I put those two big wideouts, McKinley and Austin, on a field with a couple of tight ends. Yeah, and McK- <laughs> and they can. I mean, they can obviously run enough with those running backs too. It's yeah, and. And an offensive line that's just bludgeoning people. Well, yeah, if that offensive line didn't exist, I wouldn't go big at wide receiver and tight end, but it's just clearly the identity of the team. Right, right. Kaiser Wilhelm asks, what are your thoughts on Kevin Austin's virtually anonymous return? I mean, it was a tick and a half below what we thought, right? We thought he'd get about 10 snaps. Anybody that was thinking Brian Kelly's smoke screening, it was wrong. It was a medical thing. He wasn't going to play that much. And number two, everybody forgets anyone that thought Kevin Austin was going to have a great day in his return just doesn't realize he missed two years of football and doesn't understand what that means. He won't be great against Louisville either. I don't think. No, but I think they'll target target him a little bit more. He just, he just needs to play. What happened on Saturday in terms of Kevin Austin's playing time was just fine. It's just fine. I'm sure he came out of it healthy. Um, He got on the field. Was that, I mean, I, do you know how many snaps he was, is that the only one, the deep ball, where he was I really? Thought, I, I thought I saw him in later in the game. I can actually check while we are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, didn't you think that deep ball, it's like 
All right, yeah. dude, if you're going to go ahead and run the route, I mean, go ahead and follow through with it. And he was getting jostled a little bit, but I thought he, I thought I could have just ran it a little bit more aggressively. Looks like he was three snaps and Joe Wilkins was four snaps. So not a lot from that position. Lindsay okay. played 52. So that's obviously where you're looking. And I did not notice Avery Davis on the field as much as 30 snaps. I mean, I would have guessed about 15, but I, maybe I misspoke because obviously they believe in Avery Davis's blocking ability if he's out there for 30 snaps as well. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Booney, CRS, Notre Dame had a tough time with an elusive quarterback Saturday night. What do you think they'll do differently on defense when they face a similar run threat at quarterback? Well, I, it's a good question because Brian Kelly addressed it today too. And, and I don't expect Malik Cunningham to be the runner or to run as often because he's been getting Cunningham's been getting beaten up. Yeah. I mean, he's getting he it, it took him it took him 10 minutes to peel himself off the ground. What was it in the Pittsburgh game? Yes. Yeah, that was a game. It was Pittsburgh game. game yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, you know, I don't think that they want to expose Malik Cunningham. He's back to being going by Malik Cunningham. Um I don't think they want to expose that, but now he's an athlete and he can, yeah. he can run some option and he can do some things in space. And Brian Kelly mentioned that they have to uh, be aware of that, but I don't think you're going to see him run the football nearly as much as, as uh, Jordan Travis did. Well, Travis really, I mean, that's Travis's number one strength. And that actually opened up the passing game for him and having right. Tamari and Terry downfield. Um, I want to trade for Tamari and Terry, by the way, if you guys haven't noticed that in the last eight days, how much I've said his name, I just remember him. Carrying it up as a freshman too, but yeah, you know, if you watch the if if they watch the tape, they might be inclined to let Cunningham run a little bit more. But I don't think I don't think of running quarterbacks as hurting Clark Lee defenses until that game. It's just not a it's not a right a theme. Um, Trevor Lawrence might because as you know from watching playoff games, he could take over a game running when he wants. It just doesn't normally do it because his arm is so good. But if he might, they right. might bring that to the can- table against Notre Dame. He can save the running for big games, right? He doesn't have to yeah, do it for other exactly. games. That's, I do want to point out, I want to point this out, and I meant to do this in segment one. Okay, Notre Dame's defense struggled. Why did Notre Dame's defense struggle? Well, we went over all the reasons why they may not have been ready to play, but Jordan Travis is good. He's good. He's, he's an effective quarterback. He threw the ball way better than I anticipated because what I yeah. saw – against Jacksonville State indicated that Notre Dame was going to pick them a couple times. I think we can go back and find a couple instances where they could have had a couple of interceptions, but he he was good. He did a good job. But Damian Webb is good. Yeah. He's tough. He's hard to bring down. Kyle Hamilton says so. That's all people should need to know. Yeah. I mean, he offered, he, he offered number eight. He said, I don't even know right. his name, but number eight to get, brought it to us. It's, now, throw in, throw in Terry at wide receiver. You now, I, I just mentioned three skill position players that they played really well. Sometimes you have to give it up and say the other team played well. Those three guys did a good job. And somehow, some way, their offensive line held up way, way better than we anticipated, which is now that is probably more of a reflection of Notre Dame's defensive line. Yeah, that has to change going forward. Um, that unit will have to be better and bigger against Pittsburgh. The best time, the best way to say it is that unit will have to be better against Pittsburgh. I expect that unit will be okay. Yeah, Pittsburgh can't run it. They can't. So you you, you got to get to Pickett and make him a, a player that can't beat you. You can't give Pickett all day or he'll play better than he has played. Yeah. yeah. Wash ND, do you have any concerns about Jonathan Dorr? After straightening things out last season, he seems to have rediscovered his hook on the field goals in 2020. You know, I thought his 45-yard kick was calm and good. It just hooked at the end. If it was 
if it was 40 yards, it probably would have been good. Uh, but this is something that I've been writing about in Tale of Tape since the first game that, you know, where'd that hook come from? That was the thing that I always wrote about in the Tale of Tape last year, that whichever trajectory the ball came off his foot, it would stay true through, through the kick. And now he's just getting – it wasn't real exaggerated in the miss from 45 yards right, against Florida right. State, but it was it was enough. And, I, I man, I wish – I you know, I hope he's having conversations with Justin Yoon because Justin Yoon was such a tactician that he might be able to counsel him a little bit. Yeah, I always every time a kicker starts missing, I get worried. It's just because it's such a mental thing. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried if Kyle Hamilton dropped two interceptions in a row. But when a kicker misses his kicks, I think it's uh, could be. Yeah, I like again, to see him make his next kick. I like to see him make his next. Well, kick. yeah, and hopefully, you know, well, you don't want to, you want to score when you're in the red zone, but hopefully, right. it's a, it's a short one. But again, a kicker that hasn't kicked a field goal in three weeks and he's kicking a forty-five yarder. I mean, he didn't miss. He didn't miss that by much. It just. It just hooked at the very end, so I don't think that he's way off kilter. But you're right; he it would ha- it would help if he could bang a couple in a row, yeah, and, and get his confidence back. CMU Pens fan, fill in the blank. Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree is the best running back tandem since. That's a tough one because Procise and Adams in 2015 were not a tandem. It was Procise, and then he got hurt, and then it was Adams. And then ProSize came back, and then it was Adams. Yeah. They, they really weren't – they were only a tandem for, like, UMass, basically, and that was just emptying your bench. Um, and I never really looked at Adams having a tandem back with him in 2017. It was – Deion McIntosh would spell him. Dexter Williams yeah. would spell him on occasion. I mean, how far back do you go? Because the White Sarah doesn't have one. Um, I mean, Riddick and Wood were good, but they didn't run. I mean, they're, they're, they had something like – their yardage total will be nothing near what this one is. Of course, their offensive line wasn't as good either. Um, Riddick and Wood come to mind, but I, I'd take Williams and Tyree, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, well, yeah, I think, yeah. I, I, the, the the catch here is that the, the true tandem, you know, and then and then you throw in the fact that I know it's a bad opponent, but Flemister rushed for 100 yards, Yeah, you know, yeah. against them too, so uh, against South Florida. So uh, Riddick, Riddick and Wood is who I would say. Right. Um, but this is this is a good tandem, I mean, I, and I do I like everything about him. I mean, Williams is so damn slippery, and the thing that he does, you know, he's got more wiggle than Tyree. Tyree's a one foot in the ground. I want to use my speed. Yes, which is fine. Williams, I have no problem with that. No, that's a, and that and and that in itself makes for a really good tandem too, because right, they're right. they're a little bit different. But Williams, if there are three more inches to gain on the play, he gains those three more inches. He does, and. One thing you said about the wiggle, he should use the wiggle. Most guys shouldn't use the wiggle. I trust his wiggle. Like, he, he's not doing it to just dance. It. He's doing it because he has to do it. Otherwise, yeah. he has to pull. Yeah. Well, the wiggle on the 65-yarder was right. just – I mean, that's a nice little jump cut, kind of a uh, Tari and Fulston-type jump cut. Right. Uh, with... He's a unique back, man. I mean, I, I love watching Kyron Williams run. He, he's, he... he's angry. He's an angry runner. He's super elusive. He was even elusive when he was fat last year. Remember in the spring game when he was yeah. making guys out a little bit? He just, yeah. well, I, you know, he had a bounce off him. He's mean. It's great. You, maybe you could hear it because, of course, it's not that loud in the stadium with a uh, little over 10,000 fans. But he had a six yard run that should have been a two yard run. And he kind of, you know, he was kind of like he jumped up and he just was full of emotion and was screaming. And then later on, we saw him on the sideline. Uh, with all kind of in a circle of players, offensive linemen, and 
he was just kind of, you know, motivated and yelling. Yeah. And I mean, I love that. You're right. He is angry. He's motivated. And I think the fumble early on really, really motivated him. Now he does have to protect the football better because he was yeah, holding it way too loosely on that fumble. But, you know, I mean, I, the kid is really good. The kid is at this stage of his career. I admit to everybody that said he was going to be really good. I didn't, I didn't, I had, I didn't see it. I had to see it and I didn't see it in game competition, but man, we're seeing it now because he's got a chance to be really, really good. And you mentioned Sebo Flemister. This is important. I, I mean, he, he missed time. He will be back running. He's a guy they can use too, because you can, he is a, an angry man running the football. It's yeah, like he's a, he's a pounder too. He's, yeah. he's got a little bit more to him though than, than, uh, than Williams does. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, they they really do have a trio. So I think Riddick and uh, otherwise you got to go back to Julius Jones and Ryan Grant. That was a good tandem. They went pro. That's pretty. Good. <laughs> That's a pretty good tandem. <laughs> Record <Record's> thirty three <laughs> hot. How are you all currently assessing offensive line coach Jeff Quinn? Too much criticism in the past when more should have gone to Chip Long? Question mark. Too much praise now or somewhere in between? Uh, good questions. Um... Too much criticism in the past when more should have gone to Chip Long? Probably. Too much praise now? Probably because they haven't fit. They've been a three touchdown favorite against, you know, I I mean, uh, Duke has pass rushers, but that's not a really good run run defensive line. South Florida's terrible. And Florida State's defensive front's terrible. It shouldn't be. No, he um, Marvin Wilson should opt out starting now. Marvin he has Wilson, no interest in being out there. He has no interest in being Marvin out there. Marvin Wilson isn't even around the football. No. He threw a right-left combination that, you know, to Eichenberg's left eye. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was intentional, but it was kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so somewhere in between, I guess, is what my answer would be. But, you know, you now have an offensive line with a combined 100 and 29 starts and they are playing fundamentally sound. They're squaring people up and they're laying into people. They have been taught well, their experience is playing um, probably too much talk about Jeff Quinn, positive or negative, but, but more too much talk negative about Jeff Quinn. Yeah, I would, I agree with that. Um, you remember a few weeks ago on this podcast, right after South Florida, where I said that the running backs are the unit that has impressed me most. And Pete made the good point. Well, what about the offensive line? Can we praise Jeff Quinn? At no point did I think Notre Dame's offensive line would struggle against the first two teams they played. I assumed they would destroy Duke up front other than maybe a sack, you know, by Chris Rump or something. And I, and I assumed that they would absolutely manhandle South Florida. And going into this game, I figured they would run very well against Florida State. Um, they're going to pick up Louisville's defensive linemen at times and use them as projectile devices while Kyron Williams runs for another 100 yards. They are going to murder Louisville's defensive front. That doesn't mean – they're the best line in the country until we see them do it against Pitt and Clemson. I love Notre Dame's offensive line. They're the best unit on the field. They are the reason Notre Dame could make the playoffs. But doing it against these teams, we would be overreacting if we said that they are definitely now better than 17 and 15. And, I, and I, another thing to consider, especially in the zone, you know, the zone blocking scheme, is Louisville's linebackers are better, definitely better than Florida State's. Yeah. But by the same token, if you've been watching Louisville tape, that that is a disorganized defense. You heard me say it before about their defensive coordinator. He can't – a lot of times they're not lined up at the snap of the football. It looks like Van Gorder. From that standpoint, 
Uh, Louisville's linebackers are better than Florida State's, but I don't know if they're going to be in the right position. Now, when Notre Dame gets to Pittsburgh, that's a formidable defensive front, and we'll have a different conversation about it. Wreckers, oops, sorry, ND Band 94. What was the biggest surprise against Florida State given Notre Dame was off a few weeks? Let's just start with that first question. Well, no, we can't do that. What are the, what's the biggest surprise? Two running backs over 100 yards, a receiver over 100 yards against a quality corner, the defensive looking slop, the defense looking sloppier than expected, or Ian Book staying in the pocket, stepping into throws, and taking chances downfield. For me, is number two and three. If you'd have told me Javon McKinley would have 100 yards against Asante Samuel, <laughs> I would laugh. So that's number one. Uh, number two, the defense looking sloppier than expected. I was shocked that the second half started with Florida State walking down the field and scoring. I, I know I'm putting too much onto that, but that's when Clark Lee is at his best. The 200 yard rushers is a remarkable feat, but you figured there'd be one. Um, so if you if you break it, the offensive line paves the path, man. So that that's low. And Ian Book should do that. I was angry Thursday that Ian Book wasn't doing that. Ian Book should always do this. This is this is what Ian Book should do right now in his career. But what was a more what was more of a surprise? I mean, we were pick we were saying that Book, you know, after three weeks off would probably struggle. I, yeah, I, McKinley's the biggest surprise. I can't believe Javon McKinley went for 100 yards against Asante Samuel, and he was torching him. I mean, he's putting it on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, a good question by Andy Band 94 yes. because you can make an you can probably make an argument for any one of those. Um, but you know, that's football and that's the way it happened. And we, and we did not, we did not put enough weight on the COVID impact on the de- defensive no, side of the football. No, and we knew it ran through the defense. We probably, and we were blaming it on the, we were thinking the offense was going to be sloppy. So that was, uh, that was our mistake. If we, if and, we that happens again. And, and again, Jordan Travis, Damian Webb and Tamari and Terry. I mean, they're good players. You combine it all and. um, uh, and Notre Dame struggle. Bill Irish, any chance Aaron Banks returns next season to kick out to left tackle? I assume there's more money to be made than inside, and he looked great in Eichenberg's absence. I don't think he wants to return, but I love the question because if too. you say Aaron Banks, you can play left tackle if you come back. We'll put you at left tackle if you come back next year. Uh, that's I'm all in. The question's great. The idea's great. The idea's <laughs> better. The question's great. They should be talking. We should tell Brian Kelly about this no matter what. Jeff Quinn. The money is there. Look at the resume of his left tackles for crying out loud. When you just list them going down, Liam Eikenberg might be his worst left tackle. <laughs> That's impossible. Think about that. <laughs> like Liam Eikenberg or Mike McGlinchey is his worst left tackle. That's, a, that's an impossible thing. And Aaron Banks can come back and be the worst left tackle and be a first-round draft pick. That'd be awesome. Yeah, good job. I love the idea. We, got, we have some great questions today. Uh, moving on to Sweet Lou Corduroy. I love that name. What is your level of concern for the next two games against Louisville and Pittsburgh with the Irish defense looking rusty after a three-week layoff? Well, my level of concern always goes around the entire team. So I guess with the defense against Louisville, I just expect them to bounce back. Um, My level of concern for losing the Louisville game is almost zero. I do not believe Louisville can take out Notre Dame with that offensive line and running game in South Bend the way Louisville is playing. Pittsburgh, I don't care who they lost to, and they might lose again because they're 10-point underdogs. Um, Pittsburgh just plays Notre Dame well, and the defense is going to play well in that game. It's going to be Ian Book's first road game. Not Ian Book's first road game. Notre Dame's first road game. The concern still exists for Pittsburgh for me. It just feels like there's something's going to ruin our wonderful meeting with the Clemson on November 7th, and it's not going to be Georgia Tech or Louisville. 
Well, remember last week when, you know, it's like there's no way that Florida State's going to hang with Notre Dame. I said, well, what if there's a pick six or what if there's a special teams? Well, it wasn't a pick six, but it was a fumble. And it was 10 points. I mean, they had, they had drives of eight yards and 19 yards, and they scored 10 points. And that's what can happen in a football game. And yeah. that's certainly what can happen in your first road game at Pittsburgh, whether there's a crowd or not. I mean, that, that can happen. It's not an early kickoff. It's a 3.30 kickoff, so that's good, I guess. Uh, but I think – I don't know how Louisville prevents Nordane from scoring 50. That's my th- – yeah, it's – you're 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 starting. <laughs> I mean, with, I can't, you're starting with forty-two and going from there for for Notre Dame right now, with against I, Louisville. Pretty much because if yeah. they scored forty-two against Florida State yeah. after a three-week layoff, and now Austin's back and in the in. I mean, I do not know how Louisville's defense. I hate to put that kind of burden. At, you know, fifties a lot, a lot of points. Lot, on any, they do start with under any circumstances, but man, I, I don't know that I'd start at forty-two, but I'd probably start at. 35 or 38 yeah where we were starting around 24 previously the way the book right. the way book was playing so it's right. uh no, i don't but think pittsburgh, louisville's not gonna hang with notre dame this weekend i don't no, think pittsburgh will be pittsburgh and, will be tricky because narduzzi just an annoying team to play with narduzzi they play well against notre however dame. however narduzzi will be facing a tommy reese plate caller that he's never faced right. before so right. not that tommy reese has everything figured out but man, don't hear a lot of complaints about the way that he's making decisions other than Tony Dungy wanted him to go back to the counter. And I could swear that they did go back to the counter a couple times before Dungy acknowledged, but he he knows, he knows blocking schemes a tad better than I do. So I could uh, be wrong there. If Pat Narduzzi wants to approach a healthy Lindsay and a three week returning Austin, the same way he did Zay Flowers and Phil Dracovic, that'd be fine too, because Notre Dame will give Ian Book plenty of time to let that one rip. And he's going to have to. I mean, Notre Dame will run the ball against them too, but it's not the same thing. They they put up resistance against the run. Pittsburgh can come. Yeah, down. and and I mean, it, it, you want to talk about a classic matchup: Pittsburgh's pass rush against Notre Dame's pass blocking offensive line. And frankly, when I look at Notre Dame's offensive line pass block now, they're better than they were last year. Oh no, they oh, yeah, I, they, they. I mean, they are they. they now you can you can do some exotic things with you know bring guys from different levels of the defense, but that is a classic matchup of pass rush uh, versus uh, pass blocking because that pass rush is really really good. We'll worry about that uh, a week right, from today. Judge right. Arthur Vandelay, how surprised were you that Dylan Gibbons and not Josh Lug was the first guy off the bench after Eichenberg went down? I was very surprised. Uh, a couple of guys in the press box were surprised when we saw it. Uh, we we later got an explanation first from Brian Kelly, saying that Lug had been working at, uh, in addition to right tackle where he normally works, he had been working at right tackle because Tommy Kramer had been banged up, so he didn't have any opportunity to play at left tackle. They had, or to practice at left tackle, they have a degree of confidence with Aaron Banks sliding over to that position. Dylan Gibbons is a big, strong senior, so you would like to think that, you know, you can make that move. And then the last thing I found out, I think it was yesterday, that Josh Lug was has been hobbled a little bit with an ankle injury. So you add that all up, and there isn't a surprise. But when it happened at the time, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Yeah, I was, I was told um, that Dylan Gibbons would go right in if Notre Dame lost a guard. Um, 
but I guess it makes sense that Aaron Banks just kicks out. Uh, makes more sense with Lug being hurt. But the most important thing is that Dylan Gibbons played well. Is what they had 112 yards. First, you said Tim? 112 yards rushing in the in the second quarter because uh, Eichenberg played like two snaps in the third quarter. Right, yeah. the second yeah. quarter. Second quarter, yeah. And they rushed for 112. So he must have done something well. He got a little overpowered his first snap, but that'll happen because he's never yes. played against <laughs> Florida State before. Right, right. <laughs> um, multiple surgeries for Dylan Gibbons. Multiple yep. Yep. surgeries. Um, and back and healthy. I don't think – I think if you ask Dylan Gibbons, he couldn't have done this last year um, with all the foot yeah. problems he's having. So good, good, Yeah, good for him because, yeah, I mean, him, he, yeah. you know, they haven't thrown a bone his way. Right. Hardly at all, other than he's he's on. Uh, I, I think last year they put him on the the uh, conversion, the the kicks, the uh, field goals. Place yeah, this year he's but, on the punt uh, punt yeah. team because he's the one that threw right. the block for he threw the the block for Jay Bramblett. That is exactly um, right. So good for him. Good for him. Our last question comes from Donnelly three four three four. Outside of luck, health, and rest, why will we say the Notre Dame defense held Clemson under thirty points to win on November seventh, given Notre Dame's strengths and weaknesses? Reason number one is this question would not have been asked before the Florida State game because Notre Dame's defense looked great, albeit against worst competition, and now we have to see what they look like healthy. So health is there. Um, I don't know if rest has much to do with it. Luck is going to be extremely important against Clemson because I don't know if you happen to uh, check out their score or see any of the highlights of their game, but they, uh, they're really good. Clemson, as Brian Kelly said today, have you seen the ACC standings? He said, no, I know Clemson's good. <laughs> I thought it was his best answer in a long time. It was. It was. No, it was, uh, you know, and Miami Miami has really struggled along their offensive line recently, but not so much going into that game. Well, I think, things happen when you play that team. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it was exposed. And the scary thing is that, I mean, I do not think I, – I can confidently say that the Clemson defense isn't as good as the one two years ago. Well, no, 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 no. That was definitely not. But they're still really good. But they're still really good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't, I don't think that they have as much pass rush as they had two years ago, but they're still really good. They can't possibly be as experienced on the back end of the defense because they lost their whole secondary and all but one linebacker, including the freak Isaiah Simmons. They but don't have they're Isaiah still Simmons. really good. <laughs> but they're still really good, right? They, you know, what if you just said Notre Dame's what gives Notre Dame a chance to win? I say Notre Dame's offensive line. After that performance, how good they look with the running backs gives them a chance to beat Clemson, and then just don't turn on the Clemson games, and you can think that. Yeah. Once you turn on the Clemson game, you stop thinking. I watched. I watched a little Clemson on record. After was it Jack Freeman the one thirty uh, cocktail we had to have this time because it wasn't not a day game, it was a night game for post <laughs> post post writing. I mean, they're awesome. <laughs> Clemson's really good. Notre Dame can Notre Dame can beat them at Notre Dame. They can do it. And the offensive line has to be the best unit on the field, by, and that's hard to do. And I think the one thing that I feel very confident about, and that is everything settles down with COVID. You don't have any major injuries. By the time Notre Dame is done playing Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Georgia Tech, you're going to feel much differently about their defense than you do right, right. this moment. Why did Travis Etienne have to come back? That's the question you have to ask if you're a Notre Dame fan or a North Carolina fan. It's a remarkable thing that that guy is still running. And I hear that they have a couple other running backs that are still yeah. that are performing well too. I mean, it's a juggernaut there, and Notre Dame doesn't have to worry about that for now. What they need to do is, uh, um, you know, get healthier and get better on defense because you got a big challenge this weekend against Louisville and. Uh, pick up where you left off offensively and you have a great opportunity to do that against this defense. And, and uh, 
things will take care of themselves. That's a month, a month away against Clemson. And we'll worry about that when it's, when it's time to worry about that right now, we will uh, worry about putting our stories together, moving forward here as the week goes on. We are ending today's Irish Illustrated Insider, and we will be back on Thursday uh, with an instant analysis and podcast after we have an opportunity to converse with Brian Kelly. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.